1: Right. well, you know, Yvette, you actually uh, sort of uh, announced the, the, the title theme this morning by saying, if you don't know who you are, come down and find out who you are, okay? Have we got that first slide available? This morning, the message is, who am I? And, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's one of those type of questions that we're like, oh, of course I know who I am, but if you think a little bit deeper about it, I think most of us at some point of our life have gone, who am I? You know, what am I doing here? What's going on? And I want to ask you a question just to start this off. If I asked you who you are, you don't have to shout it out loud, but you're not allowed to tell me your name. Who are you? Just think about that for a minute. Who would, how, how would you answer if you cannot use your name? Who are you? Yeah. We'll leave it there, and I'll come back to that at the end and tell you why I asked you that. But at the heart of our faith is our identity. Yeah. You know, we can say well, faith is at the heart of our faith or yeah. obedience or all these sorts of different things. Yeah. But essentially, when you start to believe in something, your identity becomes your foundation, and you start to build an identity of who you really are. And so that, that identity becomes a central part of, of your, your future you know, f- journey in Christ. It, it, not only is it your own future, where you're heading, and, but, but also the people that you meet, it affects them, the people that you influence. If your identity is starting to crack or you're not too sure what your identity is, you are walking a journey that, you, that, that is not as strong as it could be, and you're not affecting people as well as you should be. For instance, if somebody comes to me, and I've had this many times before, you're just sharing personally, you know, I'm I'm losing faith, or I'm having doubts about faith. What it tells me is when somebody says that is they're no longer sure who they are. This morning, if you could open your Bibles, we're going to read from John 15. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. I love it, and I'm so happy that I can preach on it this morning. While you're finding it, um, it's basically... Um, in a nutshell, about our relationship with God, using the metaphor of grape vines and vines and grapes and, and fruit. Um, and And we're primarily talking about spiritual adoption this morning, about being adopted into the vine itself. When he talks about, in the scripture, when he talks about fruit, he's actually talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Uh, The grapes are are the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's read together. I am going to be jumping around, so I'm starting on uh, verse 15, um, 1, and then we're going to jump to 8 and then 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Just notice he says at the beginning that I'm the true vine. If he's saying he's the true vine, it actually means that there are going to be lots of false vines around. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I always also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And then verse 15, 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. What if I said to you that at some point in your life, and maybe there's some people here right now, that were once orphans? Because you're either, you're either, you know, in the physical, you're either born of natural descent, or you've lost your parents, which makes you an orphan, and the only way that you can become um, back into a family is by adoption. This verse itself is described or, or put into into context by another verse by the Apostle Paul in uh, Romans, where he actually talks about the grafting of uh, the grafting of the Gentiles into the vine. And basically, what he's saying there is that. We we as orphans were once orphans, and he calls us wild olive shoots. We were the bramble bush, we were the rubbish, and we had and and there was God's chosen church, the the Israelites, the Jews. But we were the outcasts. But what actually happened is, after the death of Jesus Christ, the Jews decided that to reject Christ. And so their branches were broken off the original vine, leaving space to include somebody else. And that's what grace is, where grace has turned and said, I'm going to invite the bramble bush to come in. There's another great, uh, I, I, I don't know where it is, and I paraphrase, but it's basically uh, the same sort of concept, where it talks about a great ruler who wants to give a great party. And so he invites all of his family and his friends, all, of, all the, the known people to them. But for some reason, their invites are rejected. And they say, no, I'm too busy. Or I've got to go and look after this oxen. Or I've got to go and sort something out with this donkey or whatever it is. And they reject the invite. So the servants come in and tell the master. And the, ma- the master is like, what? I've prepared this great feast. It can't go to waste. So he sends the servant and says, go into every street. Get the peasants, get the sick, get the lame, get everybody that's willing to come. And he pulls them in and they come in with their invitation and they're invited. And so it's exactly the same thing. We were invited because the others were rejected, rejected the invitation. And so we are now grafted in to this vine that he's talking about. We've become spiritually adopted the problem is that in our lives today, adoption is kind of a little bit misunderstood. And so if if adoption is misunderstood, our identity becomes a little bit misunderstood. Both my kids are adopted. And so I, I have a very, very good idea what God is talking about when he speaks about spiritual adoption. It has its ups and it has its downs. I mean, you know, there's been trying times. Uh, as a family where, you know, you have people come to you with total lack of a misunderstanding and say, who's the real parents? Sorry? We're the real parents. Oh, no, no, I mean, who's the birth mom? You see, there's this misunderstanding about adoption, that, that if you've adopted kids, somehow they're not real. And see, the kids also get put in this place where they, they, get, they get very aware that somehow there's something wrong with this connection in this family. But you see, my kids, you know, from the very first time that I saw my kids, even before they were given to us, even before papers were signed, both me and Tracy, when we saw our kids for the first time, they were ours. I knew it in my heart. I knew it in my spirit. It wasn't even a matter of faith. It was just they are our kids. And there was never anything that that separated my kids from me as if they were somehow outside of my family they were my flesh and blood and my kids have grown up really strong in knowing who they are and they have a lot of fun with it you know sometimes like they, they when when teal was at school you know they would never have seen the parents of course you know she's dark and we are white and so, you know, we, we would eventually arrive there for, like, you know, some special occasion, sports day or whatever. And she would come over to us and be standing with us. And all of a sudden, her friends would go around and say, Teal, you adopted? And she would go, what? I never knew that. Somebody's been lying to me this whole time. And all the kids were, are you serious? You didn't know? And she'd go, uh, come on, come on, and then my son, he does this to me often, we'll be walking the shops and I'll be getting groceries or something, and of course, you know, carrying bags, and I say, Lemmy, can you carry some of the bags, please, boy, and then I'll be walking along and then suddenly I'd I'd hear, I hear something from the background there, dad, that's racist, you're getting the black people to carry the bags, (laughs) and and I'll be like, keep it down, boy, We, we have a lot of fun, but the truth is adoption is misunderstood, and we have to come to terms and understand that we have been adopted. It's not just in the flesh and the spirit we were adopted into Christ. You see, you know adoptions are, you know normally about a, a legal document where where one parent signs over the kids to the others. But really, it's actually the same as any normal natural birth family. It's about love and belonging. The point I want to make is this, that my kids know they are are, are my children, not because of a legal piece of paper. They know because they loved. I remember asking my daughter, Tia, I said, how do you know that I love you? Sorry. I said, how do you know that you belong to us? And she replied, she was about seven years old, and she said, that's easy, Dad, because you love me. So I dug a bit further and I said, how do you know we love you then? And she said, I just know. This is the true spirit of adoption. You have to just know. Recently, uh, some of you might have seen on Facebook, but um, it was our 30th anniversary, and Tracy took me as a gift um, to a wine tour. And um, the truth of the matter is I don't like wine at all. (laughs) I've never drunk it. But Tracy knows that, and she doesn't drink wine either. But she does know that both of us love the whole idea and concept of the way Jesus portrays the metaphor between the wine growing and the outcomes of wine to spiritual life. And I just love it. I mean, you know, one of our dreams is to have a, one day have a vineyard so that we can bring people on tours and show them the spiritual uh, the references that Jesus makes with wine. And I want to just give a couple of uh, quick um, points that will help us understand spiritual adoption of who we are. The first thing that we read in that scripture that we read this morning, John fifteen sixteen, says, You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. How important are these words? Can I ask you, have you ever been, I- as a child, maybe um, it, it's something that happened often when I was a kid, where, you know, if we were playing sports or something, and you would be, uh, a team captain would be called up, and then they would, they would select their best players from the, from the group of people. All right. Now, I'm fortunate that I play sport, but some sports are terrible. So I've had the benefit of being on, on, the, on the losing side and the winning side. I know what it feels like when I'm called up first. It feels great, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's good. But I also know what it feels like when I'm left last. It's a terrible feeling. You know, because you feel like nobody wants you and you're rejected. When Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you. How on earth would you know he loved you unless he chose you? If you chose him, you wouldn't really know. But he says, I chose you. Our children, we chose them. When we saw them, we didn't expect anything from them. There was nothing that they had to do to make it themselves acceptable to us. We fell in love with them just there and then. And Jesus falls in love with you. Jesus knew you before you were even born, and he chose you before you were even born. He didn't care what the outcome was. He chose you, and he required and wanted you to live in him, as the Scripture says, abide in me. I've chosen you so that you may live with me. Yes, there was a legal contract signed. In spiritual adoption, there is one. It's called the blood of Christ. But I want you to get this. We are set apart as true children of God, not because he died on the cross for us, but because of the overwhelming reason why he did so. His love for us. That's what true spiritual adoption is. For God so loved the world, He sent His one and only Son, that whoever may believe in Him may never perish, but will have eternal life. John 3.16. It's just the same as in marriage. You know, if you've been married, you'll know that if you're, when you fall in love and you, 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 you marry your wife or you marry your husband, you become one. You begin to think the same. The amount of times, uh, you know, we're just talking and and I'm just going to say something and my wife says exactly the same thing. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because we think as one. We raise our kids to one. We have the same. We are in unity in everything. When Jesus says the two shall join together and become one, it's true. And it's the same as spiritual adoption. When you become grafted into Christ, you become one. You start thinking like Christ. You have a spiritual mind like Christ. And the old is passed away. The old bramble bush thinking, the rebellious thoughts are gone. Because now you're grafted in to the one holy vine. Romans 8.15 says, All who are guided by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For what you received was not the spirit of slavery to bring you back into fear. You're no longer that bramble bush. But you received the spirit of adoption. Enabling you to cry out, Abba, Father. Daddy. That's how we cry out. Before we didn't have a daddy, a spiritual daddy. But now we can cry, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. What a wonderful piece of Scripture. His Spirit is joined with your Spirit, telling you that you are a son and a daughter of Christ. And since we are His children, we are also His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of His God's glory. Romans 8, 15, 17. The second point I want to say is if you're spiritually adopted, He prunes us. something that we learned in the course um, was that pruning takes place straight after the harvest so when they pick the grapes and I always thought pruning was where they cut off the leaves but no no they cut off the branch and in this metaphor that Jesus is using we are the branches yeah. so the branch is cut off and the reason why they do that I- I- I with grapes is because if they allowed the old branch to stay it's just like people when you're young, you can do so much more, right? But when you get a bit older, you can't do it as well as you used to. So an old branch that's already produced uh, grapes is not going to be able to produce the same quality grape as it was when it was younger. So it cuts it off. They cut it off and a brand new shoot is grown. That's why we have to be renewed daily. If we want good, s- good fruit, we have to be constantly renewed constantly allowing the pruning of God in our lives. But nobody likes to be pruned, right? Because it's hard to be cut. And it's hard to take away what you're used to. I like the old one. The old one was good. You know, we had that good wine. We had that good stuff. But God puts you through trials and uh, testings because He knows the next result is it's not going to be as good. And He wants the best for you. He wants you to produce great fruit. He wants you to come out glorified with Him. Fathers, parents, prune your kids. Because if you're not pruning your kids... You're not looking after their welfare. You're ensuring that the fruit that they produce is not going to be good. If your kids can't respect you now, how on earth will they ever respect God in heaven? If you ever wanted to know how it is possible to understand the Scripture that says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, it's for that exact same reason. Because when you accept it as joy, it's because you know that God is doing something good for you in your life. And you know that God is coming and preparing something for you. And when, you, when you're in the hard place, you're saying, God! You are going to produce something amazing in my life. It's a total shift of of your mind. Rather than standing there and saying, this is too hard for me to bear. I'm going to duck out. Take it. Allow God to test you because he's doing it out of love. He wants you to produce an abundance of fruit. He wants you to produce quality fruit he wants you to come out of the other end you know this is one thing that I do know as we've taught my kids my kids never like to be taught disciplined nobody likes to be disciplined but I'll tell you something now that my kids come back to me so often say, dad mom thank you so much for raising me the way you have and if you don't do that you will never hear those words if you don't take the time, because it's hard disciplining your kids, because the last thing you want to do is hurt your kids, because you love them, and so you you walk away from it and you allow them to be rebellious, but they'll never come back. They'll be gone. They'll never enter into the faith that you hoped and prayed for, because they'll be gone. They'll never come back and say thank you, thank you so much. It's the way of God. Prune your kids. Kids, respect your parents. And the third and the last point is that he calls us friends. Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Can we pull up the um, PowerPoint quickly on some of those vines there? I just want to show you something here. This over here is a really old vine. Okay, this is uh, this is the way. uh, This is also an old vine. This is the way they used to grow vineyards back in Jesus' day, and some of the older ones like that. Um, And can we have a look at the other one quickly? And this is the modern way of doing things, all right? And there's uh, just some amazing, interesting things about th- uh This over here is called the vi- vine trunk. This is wh- what we would say is Jesus. And these two things over here, the bigger pieces, are called arms. And this is called the cordon. And above the above the, um, the arms is what we call the head. So when you look at it, even the shape of the vineyard is Christ on the cross, oh, that's good yeah. and and the branches, which is us, where the fruit comes from, comes off the arms of Christ. Wow. Something, something that uh, th- the way, w- the way. Um, d- if we could just go back to the old, the old one. They've changed the way they do things now where, the, where they have, uh, the let me say it this way, the old one used to have very short trunks, they used to grow them a lot lower to the ground, and very long cordons, that's the way they used to do them, just because they didn't have the idea or the technology of doing things. But this way had problems. The problem with this way is that some of the fruit would hang very low to the ground, and as it hangs low to the ground, if there was a lot of moisture, a lot of rain and stuff, they got spoiled. They got got mildew in, they got fungi and all that sort of stuff. And also the problem with growing long cordons is that the fruit at the end would not be of good quality. And the reason for that is because the fruit that is closer to the vine trunk is the greatest abundance and the greatest quality because it receives all the nutrients straight from the trunk. And so if we can go back to the new one, so what they've actually done is they've made the trunks higher, so the grapes don't touch the ground, and they've reduced the size of the cordons, ensuring that they have a full quality crop. And of course, that also reduces the space that the cordons, so they can grow more quality crops and grapes. So just two things about that. The first one is, if you're in Christ... but you allow your fruit to hang close to the world. In other words, part of you is always seeking after the world. It will be damaged fruit. And the question is also, if you're in Christ, because because if you're in the vine, your eternity is sealed. There's no doubt about that. But why would you be in eternity? Why would you be in the vine so distant from Christ and not demanding to be near and producing poor quality fruit? Why would we do that? Because the Word of God says that you're not going to be judged for your sin. If you're repenting all the time, there's no book that comes out and says you did X, Y, Z. You're not going to be judged on your sin as long as you're repenting. It's blotted out. It's gone. The blood of Christ has taken it away. But the Word of God says that you will be judged on your fruit. And so if you're living far from Christ, can we just have that picture up again? The other one. If you're living down here and your home should be here, your fruit that you produce is going to be inferior quality. And when you stand before Christ, you'll have to answer to that. People of God, you're in the vine. Take every opportunity to produce beautiful fruit. And the only way you can do that is by staying near to God. The, the Word of God says here, abide in me, live in me. Because identity is all about belonging, isn't it? When we grow up, we know our identity straight from them because we belong to these parents. I belong to them. This is my identity. I belong in this house. This is where I live. These things belong to me. Everything that I have is all about belonging. But your spiritual identity is exactly the same. You belong to Christ. So live in Him. Live in Him. Not Sundays. Live in Him. Like you go home. Where are you going home today? You're going home to your house that you live in. You never leave the house of Christ. Live in Him and abide in Him. And make sure that the fruit that you produce on the day of judgment is going to be, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to be standing there with one grape in your hand and saying, here it is, Jesus. We can laugh about this, but I'm telling you, on Judgment Day, it's not going to be a laughing matter. Take it serious. Start to produce fruit. It's the greatest thing in the world. I asked you, just in conclusion, I asked you in the beginning, who am I? There's a scripture in Isaiah. Sorry not in Isaiah, is a scripture in Exodus. It says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? This is Moses' Jesus. Moses has just met Jesus. Moses has just met God in the burning bush. And God's saying, I want you to go and rescue the Israelites from the, you know, from, from the Egyptians. And so he's asking God, like, how can I go back there? And he says to them, uh, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God says, you go to them and say, I am who I am. This is what you say to say, say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So what, what we know is that the word I am, the words I am means God. If you look at what a verb, the am, the word am is, it's a verb, but it's uh, uh, quite strange, it's called a being verb in other words, I am is like the core existence of things so when I ask you who are you who are you you're going to reply to me I am Frankie I am Eden but if the word I am means God, what that translators translates to is God's Eden. God's Frankie. You see, God is, is ready put right from when you were born. He's defined who you are. The definition of your name, your name, you, you are not your name. You are God's child. This is who you are. This is the answer to who I am. I am God's child. I am God's son. I'm God's daughter.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.